Well, hey, good morning, Central Christian Church. My name is Tiffany, and I am so honored that you would choose to, to spend your morning here with us. A huge thank you to Timalicious, a.k.a. my hubby, who's not in here right now, but Timalicious for allowing me this opportunity, and of course, to our beloved elders and leadership team for allowing me this privilege to speak with you today. Um, I am so excited. We are in part two of a five-part series called Hashtag Struggles. Um, we're talking about how do we follow Jesus in this selfie-centered world. So in our efforts to be vulnerable and to clarify what a selfie is to some of you, I thought I'd have a little segment called, What the Selfie? If you will, look at this picture. What the Selfie? R.I.P. Grandma on the casket. Why would that be a good idea? Not a good selfie. Terrible idea. Selfie struggle game, not on point. And then there's this photo. (laughs) Everybody needs a selfie with their beloved cat. What the selfie? And then picture number three. This is for all of you that are like, I've never taken a selfie, Tiffany. Um, I guarantee to you, maybe a grandson, like this poor grandma, um, has captured you and maybe not one of your selfie fine moments. What the selfie, right? So... Today, we are talking about how do we follow Jesus living in this selfie-centered world. And I want to specifically talk about resurrecting compassion. Well, what's compassion? Compassion can be defined as sympathy for others. It can be defined as having pity for the misfortunes of others and their suffering. And we know that social media is a really powerful, powerful tool, right? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, these platforms serve to connect people all over the world. Now, true confession, this is how you know we're really friends. How many of you have every single one of those social networking platforms? Firsthand, I see, oh, yes, meet me afterwards. I have a Starbucks card from me to you. Hopefully, you can continue to use all of your platforms to help people find and follow Jesus. Well, social media is used to raise money for good causes, create awareness that are making a huge impact in the world. But in the same way, we can be passionate about an online movement in one moment. We can quickly forget in the next. Maybe some of you participated in the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Anybody know what I'm talking about ALS? Did anybody do that? Yeah, you feel me? You dumped a bucket of ice water over your head and then you donated to support the ALS patients all over the world. Maybe some of you have seen online recently, September is National Suicide Prevention Month. The hotline has been circulating. It's incredible. We're creating awareness. October coming up is Breast Cancer Awareness. Um, The March of Dimes has launched their campaign and... I'm sure you have seen those adorable pictures of the babies coming through on your Facebook profile or your Facebook scrolling for the news. So it's awesome. Social media can create all of these powerful ways for us to engage with one another for a good cause. But with all of these benefits that social media can provide, I'm going to show you that today there are also some downsides as well especially when it comes to creating the value of compassion. 
You know, the University of Michigan did a comprehensive study of over 14,000 college students from 1979 till 2009. And what they found was that there was a drastic decline in empathy. The results of this massive study showed that we care 40% less about other people than we did in the 80s. 40% less. Digging deeper in this study, um, the people that had participated were asked to write on a scale from one to five, one being the, one being the least, five being the most, in response to some of these questions. For example, I sometimes try to, try to understand my friends better by looking at things from their perspective. There was a drastic drop in people who did that. Another question was, I often have tender, concerned feelings about people less fortunate than me. Significant drop. Fewer people call themselves soft-hearted than they did years ago. And others' misfortunes just don't bother us as much as they used to. 40% drop in how much we care about people. So this raises the question, why? Why are we caring less? And there are a lot of theories, but experts argue that they believe one of the top causes is the rise in social media. Psychologists refer to it as the narcissism epidemic. And I want to raise a question. Why and how would that happen? And I'll show you three possible ways that social media could cause us to care less. So number one, we have to admit that we are more obsessed with ourselves, right? Now, those of you that have never taken a selfie, and truthfully, you could care less. The word selfie selfie has never been a part of your vocabulary. Maybe you can relate to this photo. Neil Armstrong went to the moon and took five photos. Kylie Jenner went to the restroom and took 105. (laughs) Social media, right? We're not going anywhere. Turning a camera on ourselves in the past 30 years has become a new norm, but that wasn't the norm, right? There are literally bloggers, influencers, and people that have crafted the art of taking a selfie. Cannon, when he was six years old, my oldest son, he's now nine, figured out how to take selfies of himself on my phone, and he took a 780 pictures of himself. 780. Of course, they were really awesome pictures, like of his eyeball and his nose and his ear. He figured out how to turn his pictures in black and white and showed himself spitting on my phone. 780 of these gems. He was fascinated with himself. Well, that's the world we live in, right? Even a six-year-old knows that. Kim Kardashian, don't act like you don't know who that is. Kim Kardashian She has commented before that she will take between 300 and 500 photos of herself to get one good photo to post on Instagram. Studies show, and this is interesting, that 80% of what a person does on social media actually directly relates to the user. In other words, if I'm going on social media, I'm going to see what I'm interested in and then what you're saying about me Did you like my picture? Did you comment? About 80% of what we do on social media relates directly to us. And then, of course, when we see something that's related to us, our brain releases a little chemical called dopamine. Tim talked about this last week, which gives us a little buzz. I feel like it's like a straight shot of feel-good happiness. 
and I want to come back for more because it's nice to be liked and I like social media, right? So as a result, since we're looking at stuff, dealing with us, dopamine is being released in our brain, our bodies are actually training us to be more self-centered, which makes sense because according to broadband research, the average person spends three hours on social networking a day. Social media can cause us to care less about other people because now our bodies are literally transforming to become more self-centered. Psychologist Dr. Ronald Riggio, he says this, one outcome of a society shifting towards individualism is a lack of empathy, caring about others and our own welfare, but not caring much about others. This leads to greater economic disparity and a lack of concern for taking care of the less fortunate. Another concern is the inability to cooperate with others. And we're already seeing this in our polarized political system where people and parties with opposing views are unable to work together to solve problems. This is heavy, right? This is heavy. We are obsessed with ourselves. So I think we need another moment of what the selfie. How about this picture? What the selfie? I don't know if you could see it. A picture of a girl with the Statue of Liberty. Bless her heart, she's in the wrong country. Can't get that back off social media. Number two, how about this one? Okay, now, for those of you, I'll unpack this a little bit more. LOL, Bay caught me sleeping. Bay, meaning like my girlfriend. Um, LOL, Bay caught me sleeping. And then if you look at the mirror behind him, he's actually taking a selfie with his foot. That is impressive, impressive, right? What the selfie? And then, of course, the third picture. Aww. I love that little baby and it's getting pooped on. What the selfie? What the selfie? Oh, man. So let's recap. We're more obsessed with ourselves. And that leads me to point number two. We must admit that social media can cause us to care less and that an overwhelming exposure to suffering desensitizes us. The more pain we see, oftentimes, the harder it is to care. Experts are saying that because we see everything on a timeline, one post, one post, news story, post, link, yummy chicken dinner, mass shooting, neighborhood friend, party, we get confused as to what is more important than the other. Our brain doesn't know how to differentiate which one's more important, and we can't distinguish what is more important, and therefore, we care less. Number three, we must admit that lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care. A click is not caring. How do we express our deep care for one another? And reality is, it's easier to disconnect from a distance, right? There's something so different than actually going out to lunch with someone and looking them eye to eye, heart-hearted, hearing and allowing them to express that their pain that they're going through in person, right? Blue Cross Blue Shield Association, who insures over 106 million people, reports that major depression cases skyrocketed from 2013 to 2016. The jump is reportedly even more serious among children and young adults, with depression diagnosis rising by 47% in millennials and 63%
in adolescence. Doctors are looking at increased social media and, and electronics use as the cause. High users of social media have been linked with higher rates of social isolation than low users. It's pretty heavy, right? We are more isolated, and it makes it easier not to care about one another. And this is so heavy. Before we transition into our second portion of application for today, I think we need to pause with one more final what the selfie moment. Central staff edition, selfie fails. Picture number one, our beloved kids director with a rooster. Kristen, we love you. And then, of course, photo number two of our beloved youth, Pastor Kyle. He's putting everybody in timeout with that selfie, selfie game. And then, of course, Janessa and I. Oh, Scott, I forgot Scott. Scott, congrats, Scott. You did a picture of half your face in some dude's back of his head. Making progress, right? Selfie game. And then number four, Janessa. Janessa, we were talking about how it's so awesome when you want to post pictures of yourself eating food because that's really attractive for people to look at because here's mine. Eating a chili cheese coney. Good idea. Let's post that on social media and make it my profile pic 10 years ago. It's not embarrassing. Number, in our next picture, um, Tim, our fearless leader, pre-beard, and uh, during his college years, eating a cockroach on a trip, on a missions trip. So what the selfie, right? Selfie fails happen all the time. So we admit we're obsessed with ourselves. We admit that social media is causing us to care less. And we acknowledge that the lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care. So what's the challenge? What's our struggle? We need to understand that as followers of Christ, God calls us to so much more. And the struggle is real. Compassion counts. But how are we intentionally living with compassion as a value in our everyday lives? So our first point for today, compassion counts and demands action. Compassion is referred to and referenced in the Bible over 35 times and always in the form of a verb, okay? Um, so the Greek word compassion is actually translated to splonknizomai. Be really proud of me. I worked on that all week. Splonknizomai, okay? That's the Greek word for compassion, splonknizomai. It means to have the bowels yearn. I know what you're thinking. It's really gross. I'm talking about bowel movements from the platform. Welcome to Central. Anyway, I, as I dug into this further, um, it's actually referencing a physical response. And it, it means from the heart and to the intestines, our guts, that we literally have a physical response, a deep sympathy for the pain and suffering of someone else. When was the last time you felt deep sympathy for someone that made you feel physically uncomfortable? The only New Testament uses of the verb to refer to human compassion come from the mouth of Jesus in three of his parables. In Matthew 18, 27, the master forgives the slave's debt out of compassion in Luke 10, 33, the good Samaritan acts out of compassion. And in Luke 15, 20, the father of the prodigal son is filled with compassion. Jesus himself had three parables where he called out human compassion from one person to another that demanded action. It's pretty powerful, right? 
If Jesus, who himself embodies true compassion, that he would go to the cross and die on our die for our sins so that we may have eternal life, then that's something to take note of, right? Even in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. We serve the Father of compassion. And then, of course, in Psalms, you see repeatedly the use of of compassion. Psalms 116.5, our God is full of compassion because he loves us. In this selfie-centered world, we have in our midst truly compassionate people, people compassionate for a cause. So please join me as we watch this video of a central compassion crusader. Hi, I'm Becky Sloan, and I'm leading a serve group here at Central for Heritage Home. Heritage Home is a ministry of city team that serves pregnant women who are in crisis. Um, They can struggle with anything from addiction to abuse issues to um, homelessness or just needing a safe place to to be while they deliver and um, and raise their baby for a few months. We were reading Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, and was just really convicted by a lot of his words about showing the love of Jesus to others and how do you do that and concrete ways to help others. And he talked about putting loving pressure on yourself and on your your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to show that and to take action steps. So I became a spiritual mentor at Heritage Home, which has been such a blessing. Heritage Home definitely needs more spiritual mentors, uh, and that can, that's what it sounds like. You mentor a lady who is in the program, and you just help her along the way, and you just are with her to answer questions or just be there with her. And so they always need more spiritual mentors. With the serve group, I'm hoping to be able to do diaper drives and infant formula drives and maybe do a meal every week for the ladies so they have a night off from cooking. And also they need help with just holding babies, you know, that's a tough job. I would love to invite you to join our serve group and just be so blessed by helping these women. How awesome is that, right? That leads me to my second point for today. Compassion is contributing, even when it's inconvenient or frustrating or feels helpless or not appreciated. Clicking is clean. Compassion is messy. That leads me to our key text for today. In Matthew 14, 13 through 21, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It says this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. 
Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate about 5,000 men besides women and children. The people who could meet the need felt like the least likely people to help meet the need. The disciples, right? They're like, how are we going to feed these people? What are we going to do? And Jesus says, you, you give them something to eat. So they saw a need and they met a need and they found what they had. And maybe today you're in this room and there's a need that you see. And, and God has placed something on your heart. And there's something that your heart breaks for. See a need and meet a need. And God is saying, you, you do something about it and then watch me work. Bring me the little that you have and then watch me show up big. Because I am bigger than anything that you can present to me. And I can multiply whatever you can give me because I am the God of miracles. I'm the ultimate provider and I'm the father of compassion. And I'm going to take care of my people. And that fires me up, let me tell you. That was a little, a little much. See a need and meet a need. And we can do this. So join me as we watch another video about a courageous, compassionate crusader, Mike Ingram. Good morning, Central Christian. My name is Mike Ingram. And I'm here to talk to you about one of our projects or a group that I'm spearheading. And that group is Love, Inc. Love, Inc in the name of Christ. Um, the goal of Love, Inc. is to mobilize our church to community service. So there are churches within the Bay Area that are part of Love, Inc. And what they do is they are, if you will, a clearinghouse. They find the work for, for Central Christian to do. And that work can include yard work, a visit, meal preparation, um, helping with the move, unpacking after a move. There are simple tasks, there are some more difficult. The thing that's important is through this whole process, we want the people, as you are, loving and caring, to maintain that loving and caring attitude. We want prayer prior to, during, and after. We want to stay Christ-centered in this whole project. I, I got involved. I, I knew I wasn't doing much with the program. Um, and I had been praying about, you know, I need to get more involved. Uh, Tim was really, you know, pushing us and, you know, talking about this is our mission field. And, and I was praying, I said, Lord, I, I need to do something. And um, I got a call out of the blue from Love, Inc. saying, hey, we need you to put together a team. And I said, whoa, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> I said, I, I haven't really been in, that involved. But since that phone call, I've been uh, involved in doing everything I can. And uh, I, just, I, I just really implore you to get on board with us and be part of our team. 
Thank you. What an incredible opportunity to join with your family, your family to be willing to love on people right here in the community. That leads me to my third point for today. Compassion is courageous. And we have some incredible people here that contribute to those around them, whether it's feeding the homeless or an A21 walk coming up here in October that helps um, rescue women from sex slave trafficking. We have opportunities. So in a world of selfie-centeredness, be someone that understands that compassion is courageous. And it's been said, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I care about me and the more I care about people. So total transparency and vulnerability. You know, I, I like to think I'm a compassionate person. You know, I, I really do. And in the past seven, eight months, you know, my husband has suffered his Achilles injury and tore the other muscles in his foot. And so there's been that issue and doctor's visits and me driving and all the things that, that take place. And then of course, Cannon injures his knee. And so he's on crutches. He's our nine-year-old. Um, we find out if he needs surgery this next Thursday and total transparency. I like to think I'm compassionate. I mean, our pets heads are falling off and I'm taking care of everybody. Moms, anybody feel me? Right. Okay. It's awkward if you don't. Um, and so I'd like to think that I am sympathetic and I can feel for my people, but it's easy to, to show compassion to, the, to those you love the most. You know, because even on your bad days that you're not totally feeling it, you're still are, are going to take care of them out of that sense of, oh, they're, but they're mine, you know? I love them and I, I want to help, right? It's different when we start looking at the world around us, engaging how compassionate we are with total strangers, and so as I have been praying and seeking the Lord about this message um, for the past month, I, I struggled with this. I really, really wrestled with it. Because can I do more? Can I do better? Can I be better? Can I, can I be more aware of what Jesus is doing around me to help others? And I can. You know, and as a result, I've been confronted with an abundance of opportunities. From giving a homeless lady to a, a ride to talking to a hurting friend for hours upon hours in the past couple weeks, to giving out some money, to oh, even spending six hours at the California Department of Motor Vehicles at Santa Clara County. You want to talk compassion. I made friends I never thought I would ever make. But God has been stretching me and giving me a different perspective and growing my compassion and, you know, I, I'm so grateful to be a part of this church family that is not only compassionate about one another and compassionate about our city, but we are compassionate about the needs that are across the world. So if you will join me as we watch another video of a compassion crusader here at Central, Michelle. Central family, Michelle Contreras here. So grateful to see you. Uh, I'm with Living Soul Foundation in Kigoma, Tanzania. It is a rescue center for teen girls, young mothers who've been victims of violence and have become pregnant due to that. So possibly um, gender-based violence, um, early marriage, uh, teen marriages, and uh, we also have um, outreaches to the communities to help address these issues. 
in depth. I was led to um, missions uh, just by chance of helping some friends out in Tanzania, Kigoma. They needed some assistance and I found myself working with these young girls. I found them so just sweet and and struggling with all the same things every girl does around the world. My why uh, comes down to being able to relate to these girls um, similar to the stories that I've shared. Uh, I was a teen mom, but I was in a home that my parents loved me and could care for me. I was in a country where there's so much care uh, for a person in this type of situation. And that moment of knowing that, that I could have been them and they could have been me was the moment that it just changed the whole direction of my life and I knew that this is what God intended for me to do and so yeah um, so since then it's what I have um, been trying to do well ever since what I would love for the central family to do that I know would just be um, hugely impactful is to be praying um, for the community at large for the strongholds against these young children but specifically these young girls they're not, they're not the first to be chosen to go to school. Um, they are often discarded. Uh, there's no attention around them to protect them. Uh, the families just don't know how is really what it is. So I would ask um, just for prayer against that bondage against them. Um, and that's from the day they're born. And then pray alongside our, of our team as we're addressing these issues because we're dealing with the government trying to train them and get them acknowledged and aware of this and come alongside of us to help without, uh, you know, kind of stepping on some real cultural things that have been in existence. So um, we would really, really appreciate your prayers. Awesome, right? So many of you are incredible, compassionate crusaders, even in this room, and I'm honored to stand before you. So maybe God's solution for a really big city is a small church with an army of compassionate crusaders, people with courageous faith and a radical mission to love other people well. So today, how will we respond? What's God saying to you? I can't stand before you and talk about compassion and not compel us to action, right? So as a church family, in your program, I listed some practical next steps. I would like to encourage us all to participate and be very intentional about our, this church-wide challenge. So on there is... is um, for you to check out, out the outreach groups that we have available here at Central. The opportunities are listed on our app and our website. Join a cause. Our leaders will then follow up with you with specific details. We have several more outreach opportunities from House of Grace to Heritage Home that are listed. The A21 Walk is there as well. Cooks Who Care is on there as well. There's an, a lot of opportunity for you to have next steps within some of our outreach groups listed on our website. For those of you too, if you want to fill out a connect card and have an immediate response to and join um, Becky's with the Heritage House and Mike's with Love Inc., write that on a connect card and we will follow up with you and get you connected. The next option or an action step, make a homeless care packet with your kids this week. I know we've already started collecting some things 
But uh, if, if, if the statistics and the social media trends, that's only going to continue to grow. How can we help encourage our children to be sympathetic to the world around them? So join us in making one of those homeless care packets or blessing bags. There's some great tips on Pinterest. Maybe take someone you know that's hurting to coffee or lunch and show them compassion by listening and loving on them. Call someone who could use some encouragement. And then maybe for you, your best next step to be compassionate is to join a serve team here at Central. We'd love to invite you to a serve team. Again, that connect card, fill it out, visit us at Next Steps. We'd love to talk with you further. So in closing, my heart is that you would be compelled to care. And for some of you, compelled to care even more. So I want to leave you with one final thought from Joyce Meyer. The single biggest problem we have in Christianity is that we listen to people tell us what to do. We even tell others what to do. And then we walk out of our church buildings and our Bible studies and we do nothing. It doesn't matter what we think we know. The proof of what we know is in what we do. Let's pray. God, we love you. Help us in this city, Lord, of San Jose to be Central Christian Church, an army of compassion crusaders, God, that love other people well, God, that die to the selfishness of the world, but God, that to live with a purpose, God, to live what you've called us to do, Lord. I pray that in this room, as people are, God, that you are speaking to people's hearts, Lord, as the Holy Spirit is working on people's lives and compelling them to take an action step for whatever you've asked them to do, Lord, that they would feel courage rise up within their hearts, Lord. Because even though we may not have enough to offer, Lord, we know that you do. And you are the God of miracles, Lord. And I am humbled and honored to be a part of this church body, Lord. And I just invite you to move in us, God, and to help us be a church that loves people well here in San Jose, God. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. And we worship you today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.